As we sing that song, isn't, isn't it great that as we tell the world about Jesus that we see the, the product of missions in, in young people like Vanessa coming here? I mean, you're seeing the efforts of missionaries and, and people going on long-term and short-term missions and praying for what's going on uh, around the world. And, and it's a great reminder of why we're doing what we're doing when you hear of somebody whose life was dramatically changed because somebody went to tell about Jesus. So let's pray before we open God's word together. Lord, we are so thankful for the message that we have of salvation and how it's changed us. As even as the, the choir sang earlier, the gospel changes everything and we have been changed through the power of what Jesus has done for us. The good news that our sins have been forgiven and now we can spend eternity with God. We're grateful for the the, the church, the body of Christ, the, the good news that we belong to a community of believers. And as we look into your word, we want to be challenged and encouraged, motivated by what the word says to us, as, as, as is our responsibility as one of those people uh, that have been saved by the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. So help us to understand, um, not just with our, our heads, but to understand with our hearts what our responsibility is as Jesus' followers, as we ask this for Jesus' sake and for the advancement of his kingdom. Amen. Well, as we've seen over and over, the theme for the World Missions Weekend is fishers of men, so it's not surprising that the passage that we're going to look at has to do with fishers and men, except the the title for this one is a little bit changed. It'll be Full-Time Fishermen. Now, does anybody here like to fish? Okay, I want to find out how many fishermen we have. Okay, even if you're like, eh, fishing's okay, you know, raise your hand, you know, you don't have to like be a great, okay. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful to be like full-time fisherman? If you really like fishing, how would you like your job, you know, sun, sunrise to sunset, five days a week, or if you really like it, seven days a week, minus church on Sunday, obviously, to, to be a full-time fisherman? In fact, some people get really excited about fishing and, and they even have the perspective that a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. And, and if you think that, maybe you even have that sign hanging in your basement or something like that. If you think that, maybe you're the kind of a person that would like to be a full-time fisherman. Well, the good news is, the gospel is good news, but here's also like good news part B. You're, you can be, in fact, you're supposed to be a full-time fisherman. It's already on your agenda. And in fact, even if, you, even if you don't like fishing, guess what? You are a full-time fisherman. So that's why the title of the message is Full-Time Fisherman, because that's not only what we can be, but that's really what we are. Full-time fishermen. And as it worked out in the Lord's providence, uh, at, at FBC, Pastor Van is going through a, a series through the book of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, and as as it was going from section to section, it worked out. I'll put "just worked out" in quotes there because things just don't work out that way. We believe in non coincidental theology here that things just don't happen. That that as it worked out, the passage that comes next in the study in Matthew happens to be Matthew chapter four, verses eighteen through twenty-two, where Jesus talks about being. Fishers of men. So I would invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 4 as we we read the text. And while you're turning there, I need to put a gender disclaimer in for what we're going to talk about today. Now, I know that Jesus died for men and women, 
And not only are we to be fishers of men, we're to be fishers of women or fishers of people, but to be honest, doesn't fisher people sound weird? You know, no, no one ever says, I want to be a fisher people or a fisher person. We talk about being fishermen. And so we understand that we're talking about men and women. And we, talk, and we understand that Jesus is talking about both genders included. So even though I keep saying men this and fishermen that and fishers of men being, you know, according to the biblical text, we're talking about everyone here. So I just wanted to make sure that was said at the outset. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, starting from verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So the, the account that Matthew gives shows how some of these people became Jesus' disciples and those that we would later know as the apostles. And as, as we just pick up this story, it, it seems as if Jesus is just strolling by the Sea of Galilee. But when, when you read the scriptures, you need to put passages in context. What happens before it, what happens after it. And as we're looking at the gospel, the way Matthew presents it, the story of Jesus' life, he shows the, the, the birth of Jesus, and, in, and he goes through the, the, all the, the, the wonderful things that happen at the time that we celebrate as Christmas. And then we move on into chapter 3, where Jesus is baptized, where he's anointed for his ministry. Chapter 4, where he goes, to, goes into the desert to be tempted and comes out victorious over the assaults of the devil, and he begins his ministry, moves to Galilee to be among the, the people that were in darkness that will see a great light. So Jesus is already ministering. It's not like um, Jesus just happens to be walking one day from his carpenter shop and sees a couple people and says, hey, I want you to follow me. So Jesus is already involved in ministry. People already know what his message is. The kingdom of heaven According to Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, or in other gospels, the kingdom of God is at hand. God is ready to break forth into human history and do something remarkable. God's always, God is always king, isn't he? It's not like God has all of a sudden become king. But Jesus' message is, hey, God's about to do something amazing. Pay attention, listen up, and it's about to happen now. And as he was ministering and people knew what he was what was going on in, in in his message during that time he comes across these guys peter his brother andrew james and john and as we look at this story and and we think of some of the famous uh those famous words that became the theme for the world missions weekend fishers of men we're tempted to jump right down to that that passage, down to that phrase, and say, what does it mean to be fishers of men? But the problem is, if we do that, we miss the progression in which the story takes place. Jesus does, Jesus does not just come upon these guys and say, hey, be fishers of men. There's a progress. There are things that happen first. So as he talks to these people who are going about their business, they were fishermen, they were good at it, they've been doing it all their lives, they probably expected to be doing this for the rest of their lives, Jesus challenged them with, uh, with, with a new priority, a new perspective 
on what their life is all about. So as we look at full-time fishermen, we want to look at the, the progress of the story, how Jesus brought them to that point of a new priority, a new set of standards for what their life should be spent doing. So the first, uh, the, the first part of this progress is when Jesus comes to Peter and Andrew, he gives them a command. And what is the command that Jesus gives to them? I think you know it. What's the command? Well, even if you don't know it, you can look up at the screen, read it in your Bible. You have lots of opportunities there. So his command is, follow me. Now, when you, when you read the story, it, it may look like he's giving something optional. It may look like an invitation, but Jesus is really commanding it. But how can you command somebody to do something that they don't really want to do? Is it a command or is it really some kind of an invitation? Does Jesus want them to do it now or does he want them to think about it? Well, I think we need to come up with a new word. Here's a word. If you see this in the dictionary later on, you heard it here first. I want to call this a convitation. Kind of a cross between a a command and an an invitation. It's something that, that you're supposed to do, but Jesus wants us to do it willingly. So when he, sees these, when he sees these guys, he says, hey, I want you, this is, what, this is what I'm telling you to do, I want you to do it from the heart, but I want you to do it, is to follow me. And the reason why some of us fail at being fishers of men, because we jump, to the, we jump to the conclusion without going through the process, is that we have not become followers of Jesus first. It all starts here. How can you care for the world the way Jesus cares for the world, unless you know what, how he feels about the world. How can you be fishers of men unless you've seen how Jesus interacts with people? How he loves the unlovely, and in some cases even loves the unlovable. How he deals with tax collectors and sinners. How Jesus communicates with those who are antagonistic to his message. Unless we know how Jesus already does that in his life, how can we really know what it means to be fishers of men? We need to be followers of doing life the way Jesus does it. What's important to Jesus? What are his priorities? How does he interact with the word of God? How does he use the word of God? How does Jesus combat temptation? How does Jesus explain what it means when God loves us so much that he gave uh, his only son? So unless we're followers of Jesus Forget being fishers of men. We're going to do it very, very poorly. We've done it out of order. So the first thing he gives to them in this progression is a, a, a convitation. A command, invitation, follow me. The next thing he gives them is a promise. I will make you, or if you read the, the parallel version in the Gospel according to Mark, I will make you to become. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, follow me and be fishers of men. He says, follow me and I will make you. In other words, it's knowing all their faults, knowing all your failures, their failures, their faults. He's not asking them to come because of who they are, but he's asking them to come because of what he can make us. He's asking those people to come Not because of what their abilities are at the moment, but because of what Jesus is going to do to make them as fishers of men. For some of us, we say, oh, the mission field isn't for me. I don't know how to do this. I can't speak Spanish. I can't eat eat that food. I can't speak French. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm not, I'm not. I have 
I don't have this ability, I'm unable to do this. And we look at all the reasons we cannot do something because at the moment we're not able. I can't go minister to the, to the homeless here in the Eastern Panhandle. I can't go to the Jefferson County uh, Fair and, and help out with the, the tent ministry there to uh, tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ because I'm not this and I'm not that. Jesus doesn't care what, we're, what we are right now so much as what he can make us if we follow him and allow him to work in us. He didn't call Peter because Peter was a great guy at that moment. And in fact, when we look at the accounts of how the, the disciples express themselves in other parts of the gospel, we see one place after another after another where, where they act kind of goofy, if you're going to call it that. They, they, they get the wrong point of what Jesus is trying to say. They respond the wrong way when villages don't accept Jesus for who, uh, for who he is. And really, th- those, those guys look like a bunch of failures, don't they? But Jesus says, I will make you. And it's a process. It's not an automatic thing. It's a process. Everything's so instant right now that we forget that sometimes God needs to take a little bit of time to make us something. So in the case of Peter and Andrew and James and John, Jesus says, follow me and I'm going to turn you into something amazing, something you never thought that you could be. A while ago, the... uh, one of the mottos of our arm, one of our armed services was "Be all that you can be." I don't know if, it ever, if people ever became all they could have been in, in the army, but Jesus is saying something similar here: "Follow me, and I'm going to make you something amazing." It doesn't matter where you are now; what matters is what Jesus can do with us. I think of my own call to, to missions, and since this is the missions weekend, I thought I would briefly give you an idea of how I got called into missions. And I'll tell you ahead of time, I have the absolute worst missionary call of anybody that you've ever heard. I mean, it's really bad, and after I tell it, you can decide, the missions committee can decide if you still want to continue to support us or not. Uh, so I'm really putting it on the line here, and taking a chance. But I, I want to give an example of how God can take somebody based on who they are, which is not very much at that time, but still maybe use them later on. I got saved, as I've given my testimony here before, I got saved as, uh, right before my senior year of high school. So I, became, I was a very young Christian and I went to college. I went, at that time it was called Clarion State College. Now it's Clarion, Clarion University of Pennsylvania in western Pennsylvania. And when I went to college, I was only a Christian for a year or so. And I thought, well, I'm a Christian. I, need, I should probably hang around other Christians. So there was a Christian fellowship group there and I got involved with them. And over the course of time, some of my friends that were in that Christian group wanted to go to a missions meeting. It was sponsored by our Christian fellowship group. So they wanted to go to a missions meeting. And I had not grown up in the church. I, had not, I really had no exposure to missions at all. I really didn't know beans from bananas about the Bible. I knew nothing about it. When I was reading through the Bible, um, I wanted to talk to this guy about a, a book of the Bible called Job. Well, it's, it's spelled J-O-B. How are you supposed to pronounce it? I didn't know anything. When I would have this like this old living Bible in my car, and before I'd drive to school or drive to work or wherever, I thought, "Well, I need to start today with scriptures." So I would close my eyes and and just like flip through. I mean, this sounds really stupid, but I did this anyway. So you flip through, and then wherever it stops, I would put my finger there and read, and that would be my verse that I thought God was going to give me. And one morning, I remember this morning because it was so impactful in my life. I would flip through and I happened to go to like Leviticus chapter 11 where it's talking about the foods that are clean and unclean. And I happened to hit on the spot where it says that you can't eat any, any sea animals that don't have fins or scales. And I thought, oh, 
I like shrimp. But shrimp doesn't have fins or scales. Well, if I have to give up eating shrimp because of Jesus, then I guess I'll do that. And for, fortunately, I had some friends that, that helped me see that in a different perspective. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I was a dunderhead when it came to, to knowing anything about the Bible and the Christian life. So when this, missions, when this opportunity to go to a, a missions meeting, a uh, missions evening came about, um, I heard there were snacks, and snacks are always a good thing. So I thought, eh, why not? Let me, let me go there and I'll watch this, uh, watching this movie, when, a time when you really had real film going through a, a projector. And the name of the movie, or the movie was about a Bible translator in New Guinea called Marilyn Laszlo. And uh, her name was Marilyn Laszlo. The movie was called God's Talk on a Banana Leaf. Where, uh, in other words, translating onto paper, but the people in the village would look at it as a banana leaf. Anyway, I really don't remember a whole lot about the movie, but I remember one of the opening scenes. And in one of the opening scenes, there's like this first-person point of view of going down this forsaken river in a canoe. And when when I saw that on the video, I thought, that is really cool. I can do that. I like canoeing. I can canoe for God and like do something with missions in the, in the process. So I'll tell you, my call to missions was not, the, was not weeping over the fate of the heathen because they're going to spend eternity separated from Christ. My call to missions was not some reason to count from the scriptures over what it means to make disciples of all nations. It was because I thought canoeing was cool and I, wanted to, and, and I thought I could do that for the rest of my life. Isn't that, isn't that horrible? Still, still want to support me? I don't Anyway, that, that's, that's sort of like the burning bush, attention-getting moment for, for missions. And it, it's, it's great to say God did teach me a more meaningful and more lasting reason to go into missions apart from that. I did learn about God's desire for the nations. And I started reading the Bible. And every time the words, the nations, the world, the peoples of the earth... The families of the earth, the nations, the nations, the nations. Every time those showed up in the text, it started to like, the, the, rest, of, the rest of the font would be regular and those words would go like, boing, 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 out of there. That that is a, an emphasis that, that God has for his creation. That the nations would hear about the, the good news of what Jesus Christ did for them. And that became my motivation. That if, if missions is so important to God, it should also be important to me. So... He made me into a fisher of men. Not that I was already there. So for some people that think, well, God can't use me as a missionary. I don't know this. I can't do that. And I have no desire to do the other thing. God can make us into something that we are not. Because it's all about what Jesus does in our lives. Not about what our natural abilities are. So the the promise is, I will make you to become something. And that something is the goal. Fishers of men. So, okay, we're finally at that phrase when when we're already over. But anyway, we're finally at the phrase fishers of men. What does it mean to be fishers of men? And there's all kinds of analogies to that. And and for those of us that that enjoy fishing, our minds immediately may jump to what it means to be a fisher, to be a fisherman in America, in, in North America. And unfortunately... When Jesus made this statement to, to Peter and Andrew, James and John about being fishers of men, when he made the statement to them, he did not have in mind North American fishermen. When we think of fishing, we think of something that's a fun hobby that's optional. If the weather's nice, or well, maybe sometimes even if the weather's not so nice, we, we would go out fishing, and, and we do it when we can. In fact, uh, we fish 
to relieve our stress. We spend a lot of money on some great fishing gear. And when we fish, it's one person with one pole going after one fish at a time. And sometimes even getting the fish isn't a big deal. You've you probably heard the story about a guy who would, who would regularly go fishing. And one, one time he came back from a weekend fishing trip and his, his stringer, what you would put the fish on that you've caught, his stringer was empty and, and his wife saw him coming into the house and the empty stringer, nothing there. And she said, oh, honey, I'm sorry. The fishing wasn't so great today, was it? And the, and the husband said, no, the fishing was great. It's the catching that was bad. In other words, fishing is so fun, it doesn't matter if you catch anything. There's something relaxing, just casting and doing this and being out in the woods. And it's a very pleasant, tranquil experience. It's fun, isn't it? People don't do hobbies of of stuff that they hate. And when we think of being fishers of men, we may be tempted to apply that picture to what Jesus meant. You know, fun, hobby, cast. Oh, if I catch something great. If I don't catch something, it's been a nice experience. I'll go out and try it again next week if the weather's nice. If not, maybe I'll do something else. That, that wasn't what being a fisher, uh, being a fisherman meant to Peter and the rest of them. For Peter and the rest, fishing was a matter of life and death. If they did not fish, they did not eat. And they didn't have the option of waiting for a nice sunny day or nice warm breezes to go out on the boat in order to catch something. If they didn't catch fish, they didn't live. And if sometimes going out to catch their fish maybe caused them to not live also. It's a very dangerous profession. Some, for, for commercial fishermen, not hobby fishermen, but for commercial fishermen today, that's sort of the image that we can continue with. There's a, a story that was written about the great storm that happened in 1991 off of Gloucester, Massachusetts, and a fishing trawler that was caught in that storm. They eventually made a movie out of it called The Perfect Storm, but the author is Sebastian Younger. And he, he writes this, and there's what he writes about fishing in the 20, 20th century, which since he wrote in, in the 90s. What he wrote about fishing then is not so much different from what they would agree with in the days of Peter and, and Andrew. He says, there are many kinds of work that are dangerous, but one of the uh, interesting things about fishing is that it really hasn't changed much over time. It's been mechanized, of course, but the basic reality of going to sea for months of the stretch is the same as it was 100 years ago. Not only does everyone know someone who has died at sea, but everyone who works in the fishing industry has almost died. Every single fisherman you talk to has almost gotten nailed at one time or another. That's what the image comes to mind for Peter and Andrew. Fishing for men wasn't some calm, quiet, peaceful scene of of something enjoyable. It was an intense struggle to catch something. And I, I wonder which one of those analogies, which one of those pictures resembles our attitude toward evangelism today. Is our attitude toward evangelism the nice, peaceful, well... Uh, the weather's not really good. I forget today. Maybe next week. Or is it that, that intensity that says, I need to go do this because if I don't fish, bad things happen. There was a radio commentator, Paul Harvey. Did you ever listen to, to Paul Harvey's news and comments? It was Paul Harvey, good day, you know, at the very end of it. Well, well, Paul Harvey was a Christian and one of his 
famous quotes related to Christianity and fishing is that he's, uh, where he said, I, I fear that we've drifted from becoming fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. And you know, you're just kind of feeding the fish a little bit, watching them float around and saying, well, those are really cute and, and fun to look at. We, we need that same intense struggle, that same desire, that tenacity that Jesus was telling his disciples would change their lives and now instead of being fishers of fish, they were fishers of men. Jesus is saying, fishing is necessary, Peter. Fishing is necessary, Andrew. But what's really important is to spend your life catching people for the kingdom of God. You can put all your efforts into, into this occupation, but if you're not spending your efforts in however God wants you to do it to catch people for the kingdom of God, you're, well, I'll say you're missing the boat because that, that analogy seems to fit here also. So when, what, what does it mean, then, to fish for people? Uh, to fish for men? What is, that, what is Jesus getting at? How do you fish for people, and what's he intending? Well, quickly, I want to give you an idea of what, uh, what, what I believe Jesus means by that, by sharing what I read, or what I saw, on a webinar on bass fishing. So this is not coming from a theological journal. This isn't coming from any, uh, any spiritualized uh, reading. This is coming from bass fishermen. So here's what it means to fish for people. We need to catch them, we need to clean them, and we need to eat them. So what, catching people, I think we get that one. You want to you bring people into the kingdom in, in whatever creative and, and, in, and integral ways that God has made it possible for us. We don't, we don't have the, the luxury of waiting for fish to jump into the boat. And if you saw somebody out here on this one, I'm, I'm assuming it still floats, uh, uh, anyway. If you saw somebody out here and, and they're just sitting with their arms folded and you said, hey, what are you doing? And, and you said, I'm fishing. Where's your pole? I don't need a pole. I'm waiting for the fish to jump in the boat. That's how I want to kind of be goofy, wouldn't it? You don't want to fish that way. You have to actually go out and, and get them, bring them in. Well, maybe, aren't we doing that a little bit by saying, we're going to open the doors of the church and wait for the fish to jump in the boat. We're not really going out catching anything that way, are we? So the, the first part of being a fisher of men is to catch them. The next is to, to clean them. In other words, help them on the road to godliness. We don't clean fish first, or we don't catch cleaned fish. Unless you go to the, well, if you go to the Martin's store frozen food section, you probably you could probably catch cleaned fish there. They're already gutted and whatever else for you. But for the most, you catch the fish and then you clean them. In other words, get them on the road to godliness. Teach them the way toward uh, toward Christ likeness. And then last is to eat them. And obviously not literally here, but it means to assimilate them, bring them into ministry. Remember, fishing for us is, a, is one individual at a time with a rod and reel going after one fish at a time. In, in the story we read here with Peter and Andrew, it's not a one-person deal to go fishing. People had to throw large nets, and then they needed help collecting it all together. And sometimes even rival fishermen uh, with their own families would come and help on an extraordinarily large catch to bring in the fish uh, that are in the nets. So it's not a one-person deal. It's a community effort, and fishing for men is a community effort, not just of us being part of the, the bringing in the catch, but the church helping to clean them and eat them, assimilate them, and help them to be the kind of person that Jesus wants them to be. 
There's all kinds of creative ways we could do this. And um, I've, as, a, as a missionary, we've seen people with some really great ideas and some ideas that probably need a, a little more godly wisdom to them. But uh, let me just give you an idea of a couple of, of extremes. And I don't mean extreme like bad, but like really radical ideas of how people have decided they could catch fish or clean them or eat them. Uh, and I'm doing this as, a, as an incentive to help you think maybe how I can be used in missions. Even though maybe you don't have the, the, the same training as another person, but how can God use you and your life experiences and what he's enabled you to do? How can he make you to become a fisher of men? There was one, one husband and wife, they wanted to do a short-term mission trip. And what they wanted to do in their short-term mission trip uh, to an African country was to teach ballroom dancing. Okay, I, already you're thinking this is way, way out of there. Maybe it is way out of there. I don't know. I'll let, I'll let God be the final judge of what they're doing. But the reason they wanted to teach ballroom dancing was this. In dancing, you have the, the main person, the, the one who's the lead, and then the other one. So they wanted to teach submission through the act of ballroom dancing. I don't know. Different strokes for different folks on that one. Uh, that's definitely not how God has called uh, my, my wife or myself to doing that. But there's an example of a, let's call it very much out-of-the-box way of thinking how you can be used of God uh, uh, based on your own talents and your own hobbies. There are people who are great uh, at science or engineering, and they could be used for, uh, for water purification projects and solar electrification. There are people who have various skills in music that if you just go and you want to teach people how to play a few chords on a guitar in Nigeria, you would be heralded as a, as a great person if you can teach them. And please, teach how to play good chords on guitars and keyboards if you, if you go and do that. If you've traveled overseas, you understand what I mean by that one. Anyway, all I'm saying is there are lots of opportunities of various ways in which you can use how God is already shaping you for his kingdom. You're not too old. You're not too inexperienced. God can still use you in various ways. So the last thing in this progression is the response. They immediately followed. Some of us, we still have this idea of of an optional following of Christ. We'll do it on our time when it's convenient for us. For Peter and Andrew and James and John, when Jesus presented the opportunity of changing their lives, they immediately followed. And what's interesting is they gave up their profession They gave up their family, they gave up their father, they gave up their homes. In other words, they gave up being fishermen to be what? Answer this. They gave up being fishermen to be what? Fishermen, full-time fishermen. Getting the job that some of us would like, that actually Jesus has given all of us. The same command convitation that Jesus gave to Peter and Andrew, James and John, he gives to every one of us here. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And he wants us to say whatever it takes. And even if that means going against the the wishes uh, of our heart, maybe making tough decisions to follow Jesus in a way that he commands us to. So in conclusion, I think maybe we need to be more intentional about the way that we catch and clean and eat the people for whom God sent his son to die. We need to make sure that that we're having a part in this full-time fishing ministry. That maybe we need to think intentionally this week about 
about asking God to help us to do one of these three things, either bringing someone into the kingdom, sharing the gospel with them, doing something to, to be a light of Christ to them that they would not have known otherwise, or helping them in a difficult situation in their life, or helping them to be equipped for ministry, to do something this week intentionally to make the, the life and death struggle of, of fishing a, a reality for what he's really calling us to do. We could do it at home, but God needs his people to do it abroad also. And I'm asking you to, to open up your heart to what God may be doing, to not just say, well, being a missionary in the, in, in the United States is as good as being a missionary somewhere else. Technically, that's correct. You know, not, not be, be, being a missionary by crossing a water doesn't make you more saintly, and it doesn't make you a better missionary. But don't limit what God can do in our lives by saying, I live here, so this is where God is going to use me. Maybe he has something else in store. Maybe you're going to be the person that someone like Vanessa will respond to. And then, she end, and then you end up with the, the goal. As we, as we finish off the message, uh, here, here's a church challenge. If, if I'm fishing and I see somebody, if I'm down, my boat's floating by, or I'm going by the stream, and I see somebody holding this pole, what is going to be the first thing I say to them as I'm walking by? Any of, those, any of you guys or girls, ladies that fish, you see someone holding a pole, you walk by them, what's the first thing you say? Catch anything? Catch anything? Yeah. yeah. How's the fishing? How are they biting? See, you know that. Wouldn't it be great if as people came into the church, that was the greeting that we, that we asked them. Hey, catch anything? How's the fishing? Are they biting? It, it kind of puts a, a little bit more of a priority on what we should be doing from day to day and week to week, doesn't it? Kind of sets the, an accountability there. And uh, I'd be embarrassed on a lot of those Sundays to say, well, I can't tell you how the fishing is going because I haven't really been fishing. But it does beg the question, are we spending our lives for the things of the kingdom that really matter? Jesus is all about people. Is, is that what we're all about?